The Judo Chop Suey podcast is presented by Health IQ, a life insurance agency that helps health conscious people lower their rates on their life insurance. Are you someone who takes care of their health and fitness and takes special care of themselves through proper nutrition? Do you lift weights or take part of a physical activity like judo? And I'm sure many of you listening do. Then visit www.healthiq.com forward slash judo to learn more about Health IQ's special rates for active people like you and me. 56% of Health IQ customers save between 4 and 33% on their life insurance, and these savings are exclusive to Health IQ customers. So if you want to learn more about how Health IQ can help you save on your life insurance, visit www.healthiq.com forward slash judo to get a free rate quote and to learn more about Health IQ's special rates. This is the Judo Chop Suey Podcast. And now here's your host, he hates crash pads, Judo Dave Roman. Yeah, ain't that the truth. I really do hate crash pads. Uh, special thanks to Jonah Ewell out in Oakland Judo. Thank you very much, my buddy out there in the West Coast. I appreciate the voiceover, the audio file that you sent me. I decided to use it because I loved it. But back to crash pads. It has gotten to the point for me that my judo techniques actually fall apart and are worse every time I'm throwing into a crash pad. I don't know if it's because I'm using a wind-up in some of my throws. I don't know what the deal is. It's it's probably because I'm trying to aim to land my uke onto the crash pad, but I've gotten over it. I'm over it now. The other day, actually this would be yesterday, I went to what's kind of a home away from home for me in terms of judo clubs. I went to Ybor City Jiu-Jitsu. I love going there. I was shocked to see that they have elevated their mats. It's probably a a good six inches off the ground. Now, they did this primarily to save their Dolomer mats from the flooding that they have every once in a while whenever a heavy rainstorm comes through in Tampa. But their mat space is just is fantastic now and they've got an elevated floor now this is not a suspended floor this is not a full a floor with foam blocks this is not a a floor with tires underneath it so it it doesn't have that that nice cushiony give that you have in other places that i've been to really decades uh, a decade ago by now uh, because i've i've done judo on a gymnastics floor which isn't particularly great uh for different reasons you tend to bounce a lot more but this floor being an elevated floor, you know, pr- pretty much just, uh, you know, an elevated plywood flooring on top of the concrete, it does give more of a give. And taking falls on this was so much better than just taking falls on tatami on concrete. So yesterday I'm working with a friend of mine on her Uchimata. And initially when she was practicing this throw, uh, some of her footwork just just looked wrong and not not so much wrong it just it just didn't seem very efficient so i had her doing uchimata uchikomi on me uh we were video recording the session so i could take a look at some of what she's doing and then try and offer her pointers and sure enough after about maybe five or ten minutes of working on this she started throwing uchimata like like a champ 
And I think a big reason why it was helpful to work with her on Uchimata on this particular floor is that we didn't use a crash pad. Because when she was doing the Uchimata Uchikomi, which was excellent, we ended up we kept moving forward because her, her forward pull was very strong. Her entry was was very was very good, and there was a lot of power there. So I end up, as she's bringing me up to my toes, I end up just kind of scooting forward a little bit. And had there been a crash pad there, it just would have been more difficult for her to move freely. So after a couple of uchikomi, she would throw, and I would take the fall, obviously. And yeah, it was a hard throw. Whatever, it's judo, you know? I mean, the flooring at Ybor City Jiu-Jitsu does give a lot more give than... Give a lot more give. I know I'm being redundant here. It has a lot more give than the club that I regularly go to. But even at that club, there's a lot of times where I'm working with my training partner. and I just, I just sometimes just want to be like the hell with this. Just, just get rid of the crash pad and let's move freely around here. So yesterday at Ybor City, I was also practicing... My Ipon Sayanagi, and I can't remember if I mentioned this on my last episode or if this was mentioned on a post that I put up on Reddit. Uh, shout out to all you freaks out there. At my regular club, I've been practicing Ipon Sayanagi, and I've had an issue with my footwork. There's something that I've been doing, again, on a crash pad where I seem to take a third uh, mini half step or something like that. Now, it could very well be my uke, and I hate to put him on blast. I don't think it is. I mean, granted, he's about 40 pounds heavier than me, but I don't think it's my uke. I think it's more me than him. But when I was practicing Ipon Sayanagi yesterday, my footwork was spot on. Two steps in, and, and I'm in. Boom. You, you know, take that initial step, pivot, turn, and throw and not one little shuffle at all. And I think that had mostly to do with not being in front of a crash pad, but maybe partially a very, very small part had to do with um, my uke were a little bit better. Or I should say they were better suited for me because quite frankly, they were a lot closer to my own weight. And while there's tremendous value in working with people who are heavier than you, for my own brand of judo and the way that I do judo, I need a lot more movement. Now, I want to make sure that I'm clear about this, that I do think crash pads serve a purpose. But I just think that in, you know, some clubs or maybe in the viewpoint of some people, it, it almost becomes an automatic thing. Well, are we working on throws? Well, get the crash pads out. And maybe we shouldn't be doing that. I know for myself, because I'm a smaller guy, I'm 150 pounds, my judo is predicated on movement. And at, granted, look, everybody's judo is predicated on the movement. I get that. But most people that I train with are bigger than me. And it's a lot easier for me to throw them on, uh, on a moving situation than it is just, just standing there statically. And yes, look, I get it. I know you can move into the crash pad and and execute throws there but then I have to worry about okay I have to execute the throw right when at this spot and if it's not then I have to reset and do it over look I don't know the crash pad plays on my mind I I, I wish it didn't I've been trying for a very long time to get past it but I, I for whatever reason I can't it's just the strangest thing and I, I don't get it like I I've I've said this before, whether on the podcast, talking to other people, 
I've got a pretty decent looking Uchimata. It's nothing special, uh, but but you know certainly I'd be proud to demonstrate that in front of anybody. And I know if I were to ever test for my Nidon, which looks like it'll never happen, and I was asked to do Uchimata, I'd be proud to demonstrate that Uchimata. I think it's a decent looking Uchimata. But when I do it on a crash pad, I completely fall apart. I don't understand why it just completely messes me up. I, 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 I don't get it. Even when I do Uchimata on the side, it just it, it messes me up. I, I, I don't know. I don't know about you guys. If you guys ever have issues doing throws on crash pads, there's certain throws that I don't have issues doing. Oddly enough, I, I, I like doing... Okuriyashi Barai on a crash pad because we end up moving, um, you know, to the side and, you know, aiming with that throw on a crash pad doesn't seem to be as difficult for me. And that's a throw that's very tough to take for a lot of people. So I, I'm, I'm mindful of that. But there's other throws that I just feel like, come on, let's get rid of the crash pad. And one more thing about this. Everything that I'm saying here does not apply to beginners or intermediate uh, players. And truthfully, I have never once ever been a big guy in my life. I think the most I have ever weighed is 185 pounds. Actually, I know that's the case. And that's, yeah, that's kind of heavy for five foot six, but that's not certainly a, a heavyweight by any stretch of the imagination. So I don't know what it's like to be 225 pounds and take a fall onto Tommy that's laying on concrete. I don't know what it's like. I know for myself, you know, unless somebody really pile drives me through, it's not that big of a deal. And with all the years of experience in judo, my ukemi is very good. So taking regular falls on that is nothing that I ever really think about. I mean, especially doing in Rondori when, you know, my, my, my blood is pumping and, and I'm, I'm really thinking about other things. If I get thrown, I, I just don't even think about taking the fall on, on a mat. So yesterday I was at Ybor City Jiu-Jitsu doing no-gi judo. And I want to talk a little bit about that. I'm also going to talk a little bit about World Judo Day. It, there's a vote going on on the uh, IJF Twitter account. Maybe the voting's closed by the time you hear this, but I'm going to get a little bit into that. There's also a couple of uh, Judo and Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu uh, announcements that I want to make that, that uh, uh, regarding a couple of individuals that I'd like to, to highlight. And I want to talk a little bit about the Antalya Grand Prix and the Pan-American Championships that are taking place uh, this past weekend, Team USA had a very nice showing in both of those events, and I want to discuss some of that. But first, I would like to take a moment to extend a congratulations to a fellow who recently was promoted to black belt. In this case, it's not a judo black belt, but a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt. Now, this promotion happened nearly two months ago, and I'm long overdue on saying something I read the great news, but I just really haven't been able to get around to it. I went on vacation. I had a couple of previously uh, previous items that I needed to cover on the podcast, and it, it quite frankly, it just slipped my mind, so I apologize for that. Chris Reed, one of the instructors at Ybor City Jiu-Jitsu Club, he's been a longtime brown belt, was recently promoted to black belt by Nick Gregoriades at a seminar that took place at Ybor City Jiu-Jitsu, like I said, about a month and a half ago or so. Now, Chris is one of the coolest laid-back dudes I have ever known in my life. He is one of the friendliest and most genuine people I have ever had the pleasure of knowing. And when I think of the best that Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu has to offer, 
And when I hear about people talk about the Jiu-Jitsu Brotherhood, I think of people like Chris Reed. Chris is a kind soul, and he's always been a gentleman to me. I've seen him teach. He's an excellent instructor, and he's just a, a, a tremendous human being. And I, I, I am just very blessed to have had the opportunity to have him be a small part of my life. Every time I go to Ybor City to train, every once in a great while, he's always there. He's very welcoming. He's, he's just a very, very genuine person. And it is with great joy and pleasure that I announce to the judo world and any of you guys in Oz Nation listening to this podcast that a great man has been recognized for his dedication, his hard work, and his effort. So congratulations to you, Chris, on your Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt. It's well-deserved, and just you're just an awesome dude, man. So congratulations to you. Now, there's another announcement I'd like to make, and I would like to spotlight a fellow who has been a fixture in Florida judo for a very, very long time. And for those of you who live in Florida, you're probably going to guess who exactly I'm talking about. Mr. David Ellis has recently earned his IJFB referee certification, and he was part of a group of about 20 people or so that went from the United States over to San Jose, Costa Rica for the referee seminar that coincides with the Pan American Championships that I'm going to cover a little bit later in this episode. Now, as I've mentioned before, anybody who belongs to judo in Florida and has been to competitions should know of David Ellis because he's been a longtime referee for all the tournaments I've ever been a part of. And I'm sure David, if you've been competing long enough, David has has refereed at least one of your matches. I'm pretty sure he's refed one of mine. I'm talking years prior. Now, I'm not sure if anybody else in the state of Florida has a higher or as high a certification for IGF refereeing as David does. And I reached out to him a couple of days ago, not only to congratulate him, but to find out if he had any interest in joining the podcast to answer a couple of questions about his career as a referee. And he agreed to do it. We've still yet to lock down a day. But I would like to announce on an upcoming episode of the Judo Chop Suey podcast that I am going to have David on the show, and we're going to talk about his career as a referee, and I would like to give you, the listeners, an opportunity to submit any questions that you may have about uh, what it is to be a referee and what that what that may take, or if you have any rule, questions about specifics on rules and those those uh, how certain things may be called, feel free to shoot me an email at show at gmail.com, and I'll be able to ask those questions on your behalf. To David. So I'm very excited to for having that interview. Hopefully I'll be able to get that done in the next two weeks and I'm sure it'll be a very interesting interview. Can't wait for it. Uh ladies and gentlemen, I've got breaking news. Uh I just received this information just a few minutes ago and this is Tuesday April 24th, I was about to release this this episode for your consumption, but I was just notified of an event that's going to be taking place in Tampa on July 14th, 2018. Ladies and gentlemen, Dr. Roddy Ferguson, 2004 Olympian, four-time national champion, judo godon, BJJ black belt, entrepreneur, former head coach of the Bahamas national team... <gasps> Published author, motivational speaker, 
undefeated in MMA. Yes, that Roddy Ferguson. To his long list of accomplishments, you can now add professional wrestler. So I just saw this poster slash banner on the Good Doctor's Instagram page, Tampa, Florida Judo. And there's a banner here called, uh, it just says Live Professional Wrestling. It shows a bunch of... uh, uh, a, a bunch of looks like amateur wrestlers. And at the top of this picture is a shirtless. That's right. A shirtless Dr. Roddy Ferguson. And at the top it says featuring Roddy Ferguson. Live professional wrestling. Saturday 7-14-18 Tampa, Florida. Venue to be announced. Um, it looks like this is going to be a charitable charitable event. Uh, at the bottom it says. I think it says fitness for Autism, that's what I'm guessing it says. But um, So it looks like Dr. Roddy Ferguson is putting together a local charitable event to raise money and awareness for autism. And it's going to be, um, like I said, uh, 714 of this year. I am going to do everything that I can to make this. I haven't watched amateur professional wrestling in quite some time. Obviously, I'm a big wrestling fan. Um I don't know how Roddy is going to wrestle or how he's going to or if he's been training or where he's been training for that matter. There are a bunch of professional wrestling schools locally. And look, guys, I understand that professional wrestling is scripted, but it's definitely not fake. And the fan base is very rabid, especially on the independent circuit scene. So... I have to believe Roddy's been training somewhere because you you can't just step in between the ropes into squared circle and just go out there and clotheslining people and expect to get a pop. These indie wrestling fans know their stuff. They know what they want to see. And it's not what you typically see in the WWE. They want to see high-risk stuff. They want to see good matches. Uh, Basically, they want to see all the things that I could care less about in professional wrestling where... You know, for me, I want to see big guys. I want to see guys cut promos. I want to see guys that can speak well and and put on an entertaining show and have an entertaining gimmick. That's kind of my thing. But I've seemingly in the minority these days where people want to see, you know, backflips off the top rope and dives and stuff like that. I, I tell you what, for as, as gifted and as athletic as Dr. Roddy Ferguson is, this is a whole new world for him and he better take this seriously and I hope he does not do something stupid to get a cheap pop from the crowd like some backflip off the top rope uh, into the stands or something crazy like that some dive over the ropes and landing on two people I really hope he doesn't subject himself to that kind of stuff because he's got a family you know he's got a an outstanding coaching career uh, he's got a an excellent reputation and I would just hate for him to you know, bust his head open on the concrete on the side just because, you know, you, you've got these indie wrestling dorks, you know, demanding for it. So, so stay tuned. I will be following this story. I think this is very interesting. And, and I, like I said, I will do whatever I can to make it uh, to this event and report on it. Whew. All right. Where to go from here? What was I just talking about? Oh, yeah, that's that, that's right. Before the wrestling thing, I was talking about uh, David Ellis. So I want to get back to that. Now, I just referenced the Pan American Championships when talking about 
David's uh, referee certification. And for those who may not know, there was a huge event going on in San Jose, Costa Rica, a place that I've always wanted to go. And I wanted to point out how well Team USA did in this particular event. The Pan American Championships took place over the weekend of April 21st and 22nd. And there were a total, if I'm not mistaken, a total of 25 countries participating, including Brazil and Cuba and Canada, for that matter, which, you know, bringing up those countries, those have been traditionally uh, judo strong countries, at least in my opinion. So there was some stiff competition. And to my surprise, Cuba was the country that ended up coming out on top. Normally, I would have expected Brazil, considering they have such a strong judo program, and they're usually among the leaders in the medal count statistics at any typical IJF World Tour event. Now, I would have to see who from Brazil competed in this event because that that is a little bit surprising to me. Look, not not to take anything away from Cuba because they have a, a traditionally strong uh, judo program, but Brazil usually even on the world tour events are in the top three to top five of countries in terms of medal ranking. So this was a little bit surprising, but, but congrats to Cuba, but I'm not here to talk about Cuba. I want to talk about team USA, which had a uh, particularly strong day. They ended up with one silver medal, six bronze medals, one fifth place finish and seven seventh place finishes. Now for those who may not realize Fifth place and seventh place finishes are very good. You get those all important points, which go towards your point total to make an Olympic team. So I'd like to break down the results, particularly for the U.S. Americans, starting with the under 60 kilo division, where Adonis Diaz for Team USA defeated Elmer Ramirez of the Dominican Republic via Ipon. Now, unfortunately, I do not have any video of this, so I can't really go into details as to how these matches were won. I just know, uh, I just know what the scores are, all thanks to uh, judo base. So, congrats to Adonis Diaz in the under 60 kilo division. In the under 66 kilo division, we've got Ryan Vargas taking bronze, and I'm sure you all remember Ryan Vargas. He put on that tremendous display of of judo nawaza at the World Championships. <laughs> And prompted the IJF to create what I call the Ryan Vargas rule. So, congrats to you, Ryan. Uh, Well-deserved, I'm sure. Unfortunately, I did not actually watch the match. But congrats to you. I'm sure you are very happy with your results and the points that you earned from this. In the under-73 kilo division, we have two notable results. Uh, Nick Del Popolo gets the bronze medal. Congratulations to you, Nick. He's probably the one guy that I follow the most on social media. That is an active member of Team USA. And that's not because I'm ignoring everybody else. It's just his, for whatever reason, his items come up on my Instagram feed more than anybody else. And also, Alexander Turner uh, got a seventh place finish. So congratulations to you, Alex. In the under 81 kilo division, you have Jack Hatton placing seventh place. Now, Jack has had a pretty good run as of late. Uh, last year, he, he got a third place finish in one of the Grand Prix. Unfortunately, I can't remember exactly which one. I'd have to go look it up. But but this is all good for Team USA. Uh, Jack has had a very strong uh, past uh, six months or so. So I'm, it's good to see him uh, get the seventh place finish here. In the under 90 kilo division, you have Colton Brown getting 
uh, as a bronze medal as well. It's, and in the over 100 kilo division, you have, let's see, Ajax Tadehara of the United States getting a fifth place finish. So congratulations to you, Ajax. I am not familiar with your judo career. Now, now I got to pay attention. <laughs> in the under 48 kilo division, you have Ann Suzuki getting a seventh place finish. In the under 52 kilo division, to no one's surprise, at least not my surprise, Angelica Delgado ends up with the silver medal. I figured that she would at least place in the top seven, um, and I figured she'd have a strong, uh, strong day and a strong chance to make it to the medal stand. And sure enough, she did. So, congratulations to you, Angelica. She lost to Jessica Pereira of Brazil, which uh, she's a pretty strong player herself. In the under 57 kilo division, you have Amelia. Uh, Fulgentes of the United States getting a 7th place finish. In the under 63 kilo division, you have Alicia Gales of the United States getting a 7th place finish. In the under 70 kilo division, you have Chantal Wright of getting a 7th place finish. And there's a surprising result here for me. Maria Perez of Puerto Rico ended up in 5th place. Now, this is somebody who ended up with a silver medal at the world championships last year and a third place finish at the Tokyo Grand Slam uh, last year as well. So I'm a little surprised that she didn't clean house in this division. I, I'm not saying it, it was her competitors weren't deserving, but but she's certainly a, a player on the rise to look out for for Puerto Rico. And I'm just again just very surprised to see her not on the medal stand for this event. In the under 78 kilo division, you had Nefeli Papadakis of the United States placing seventh. And in the over 78 kilo division, you have Nina Kutro Kelly uh, getting a bronze medal in this division. So that looks to be about it. Congratulations to Team USA for having a very good weekend at the Pan American uh, Championships. And I want to talk a little bit about their results at the Antalya Grand Prix, which was a couple of weekends ago. At Antalya, Jack Hatton earned a silver medal in the under 81 kilo division. He lost to Vedat Albayrak of Turkey. He is not somebody that I'm very familiar with at all. Some of the regulars that I'm used to seeing in the under 81 kilo division were not at this event, but it doesn't matter because Jack Hatton was at that event and he managed to get a silver medal, which uh, not only does he get the medal, he gets the money and he gets the points, which is uh, what's most important here. Now, in the under 60 kilo division, Donis Diaz earned the bronze medal. And what's impressive about his run is that he had to go through Amart Tuvshin Dashtava of Mongolia. And for those who may not realize this, uh, Dashtava, not that other Dashtava, this Dashtava earned a silver medal in the world championships a number of years ago. So this was no slouch. And granted, he's 30 years old, so he's on the backside of his judo career. But it doesn't matter. He, uh, Adonis Diaz beat somebody uh, of uh, somebody who's a very high caliber and has had a ton of success on the IJF World Tour. Diaz defeated Yerzan Yerkayevpov of Kazakhstan. With a Yoko Tomenagi, and, and again, I, I, I hate to complain about how they score this stuff. I'm stunned that he got the Wazari call on that one. But no matter, he got the Wazari call. He managed to hold on to that for the win. So congratulations to you, Adonis. Uh, well done. In the under 57 kilo division, Leilani Akiyama of the United States earned a fifth place finish. She lost in the bronze medal match to 
uh, Mayan Greenberg of Israel. And I got to give a shout out to Sabrina Phils Moser, who is a friend of, gosh, I, I keep bringing up this club's name a lot, Ybor City Jiu-Jitsu Club. She's a friend of the club. Uh, she's a friend, uh, friend of Victor over there. So I see that she earned a bronze medal. Uh, defeating Anna Rigetti of Italy. So congratulations to you, Sabrina. And congratulations to you, uh, uh, Leilani, for a, for a fifth-place finish. Well done. Lastly, we got Colton Brown in the under-90 kilo division, earning a seventh-place finish. He managed to uh, have a win over Stanislav uh, Ratinsky of Russia uh, on his way to a seventh-place finish. And, and uh, Ratinsky of Russia... Uh, managed to win the Tbilisi Grand Prix last year. So this guy's no slouch. So congratulations to you, Colton, on a very good effort and a seventh place finish. I'm sure that's going to be very helpful for you in your bid for the Olympics uh, in 2020. So congratulations to everybody in Team USA for both uh, their results in the Antalya Grand Prix and the Pan American Championships. Well done, guys. All right. I got a question for you all. Have you ever been in one of those situations where you go to the gym, you have a killer workout, and you tell your significant other about it, and they're like, oh, that's nice, honey? Or maybe you've been really disciplined with nutrition, and you're finally seeing the results, but no one seems to care. You just want a little recognition, right? Your friends and family may not be giving you the recognition you deserve, but Health IQ is willing to. Health IQ wants to recognize your hard work and dedication to a fit and healthy lifestyle by offering you savings on your life insurance. Health IQ is a life insurance agency that helps health conscious people like many of you listening to this podcast to get lower rates on their life insurance. According to a 2009 study in the International Journal of Sports Medicine, men who did high intensity exercise have a 35% lower risk of all cause mortality. For women, the risk reduction is 44%. By having an active and healthy lifestyle, Health IQ can get you lower rates on your life insurance policy if you qualify. Visit www.healthiq.com forward slash judo to learn more and to see if you can qualify for a lower rate on your life insurance. So, I want to talk a little bit about no-gi judo. Is there even such a thing? I don't know. But for the sake of argument, we're going to say, we're going to talk about no-gi judo. And I know a lot of people, I used to be one of them. A lot of people out there, are, you know, feel that, you know, judo is done in a gi. That's what judo is. It's just like basketball is a sport that's played with a basketball. It's not played with a soccer ball and you throw it through a net. Or it's not played with a beach ball or a football. It's played with a basketball. That's what basketball is. You have a basketball you shoot it up on the net. A lot of people feel the same way about judo. Judo is done in a gi. And if it's not in a gi, then it's something else. But for the sake of argument and for the sake of this discussion, I want to talk about no gi judo. And to make that clear, to me, what no gi judo is, is doing judo without the gi. But the objective is still to throw your opponent onto their backside. So my exposure to no gi judo started over 10 years ago, probably about 11 years ago, when I first started training with my main instructor. And when I say my main instructor, I'm talking about my friend and my coach, Dave Middendorf, who passed away uh, a little over a year ago. So that's who I mean by my main instructor. So when I started doing judo with him, we had a schedule where 
Monday, Wednesday, Fridays, and Saturdays, we would do judo. But Monday, Wednesday, Fridays were gi, and Saturdays were no gi. And how our class schedule was was set up, Mondays and Fridays were typically uh, tachiwaza-based, and Wednesdays was nawaza. And Saturdays was the no-gi Saturday where we would do both, you know, stand up and ground. Now, I'll get this out of the way right now. I hated no-gi judo. I really, I never had the heart to tell my coach, but I, I really hated doing no-gi back in those days because when I switched over to going to his club, a new way of doing judo was opened up to me. And I progressed and I got better very quickly because of him. So I was very excited to learn as much as I could learn from him about judo as possible. So when Saturdays came along, I grudgingly went to class because I I wanted to train with Dave. I, I wanted to get on the mats as much as I could. And I wanted to get better, but... It was just such a drag in, in some ways because I really wanted to do judo in the gi. Uh, Dave was introducing me to grip fighting tactics. Uh, certain throws of mine were getting better, like my Tayatoshi, my Ponseanagi, my Osotogari was developing in a way that I, where it just in those early days, it, it had become my Tokui Waza and it still is to, to this day. But I had felt at the time taking off the gi was. A waste of time because I wasn't doing judo for self-defense. I wasn't doing judo to become a great grappler. I was doing judo because I wanted to learn judo. And I felt that doing no gi took away from that. But I kept going every Saturday and I got better at no gi. And, and quite frankly, and this is not a statement to diminish no gi skills. But I always felt no-gi was easy. I don't know if maybe I'm just a natural at no-gi or something like that. But I always felt no-gi was very easy compared to judo. And what I mean by very easy, I'm not saying it doesn't... I'm not saying that I'm anything special or wasn't great. It's just in judo, I, for the longest time, I couldn't touch my instructor. I mean, granted, he was was twice as strong as me. And he was twice, you know, significantly more, not twice as skilled, significantly more skilled than I was. It, I did not have a chance against him in judo. I It took me a very long time for me to get my first throw on him. But in nogi, it was completely different. I, I, I don't know what it was. Maybe it's because I was slippery. Maybe because um, the gripping did not allow for somebody to stiff me out. And, and use, you know, a, a fist on my lapel as a means to post me out to keep me from doing what I wanted to do. I felt a lot freer in my movements when doing nogi. And I would I would throw my coach uh, with some regularity, not not like, you know, I wasn't chucking them all over the place, but but I would catch them with some 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 frequency. So I probably did no-gi training every Saturday for about two years or so. And I it just, I don't know, it was just something to do. It was, it was times, be, you know, because over the years, you know, what started as, as a coach-student relationship ended up becoming a, a, a very strong friendship. 
And it was just that it was no gi. It just become a time for me to hang out with my buddy. And then the club closed down and, and I wasn't doing no gi. I was at a different club. And then he managed to start things back up. And probably for that last year before his clo- club closed down for good, I did no gi a couple of times. Um, but but we managed to, it was a showdown at the time, by the time that that happened again. And, and we managed to train every once in a while, but it wasn't anything too serious. So that was probably around, let's see. I'm probably getting my dates wrong here, but probably around late 2013, maybe the middle year 2014 was the last time I really trained with with Dave at at when he had his own club uh, because things just just fell apart and I and I got severely injured and and I just couldn't really do judo for about a year and a half or so. It was a very long time. But anyway, back to nogi judo. This past weekend I decided to go to, and I swear to you guys, I, I, I am not. They're they're not paying for advertising on here. I went to to Ybor City, uh, to train with my good friend Judo Joe Kaiser, who I plan on having back on this episode uh, on this esteemed podcast or hideous podcast, whatever you want to call it. I plan on having him back very soon. We're already talking about it. He's going to be a guest co- co-host, um, sometime soon. Hopefully in the next month or so. So I reached out to Joe and I asked him, hey, you know, I, I want to get on the mats. It's been about a couple of weeks for me. It's been about six months since I've trained with you. Let's get back on the mats. And and I said, look, I know Saturdays are your no-gi Saturdays. I'm going to go. I'm going to go to no-gi. I'm going to give it a second chance and I'm going to just do it. And I'm going to bring my gi and we can work in the gi afterwards. But today is all about the no-gi. So I went and... I had a heck of a time. I really enjoyed myself doing no gi. It was definitely the first time in, I'd say, gosh, like like I said, maybe four or five years since I've done no gi. Yeah, now that I think of it, it was definitely 2013, the last time I had done no gi because I just started dating uh, my girlfriend, who is now my wife, and she had actually come by to the club to watch me do judo once, and it happened to be a no gi day. Now, Judo Joe has been teaching Judo at Ybor City, and he's been teaching the no-gi Judo class uh, for quite some time. Gosh, going on two years at least, I, I would think, or, or pretty close to it. So Joe is, you know, because of, there's a lot of people that go to that club that are, that are pretty high-level competitors and, and have quite the pedigree. So Joe has picked up a lot over the years, and I found myself just enjoying being a student again, you know, asking Joe about, all right, well, you know, you're talking about getting the, the, the underhook here. How do you get the underhook and how do you prevent somebody from getting that underhook? And what if somebody gets a wizard? How do you get that? How do you, you you know, get, uh, you, you know, use that against them and things like that. So it was refreshing to be a student again. And granted, a lot of the things that Joe had shown, not everything, but I should say some of them are things that I've seen before. Uh, but I really had just forgotten because, you know, like I said, I, I didn't care too much about uh, no-gi judo years and years ago. But but I guess I came away this past Saturday with a renewed perspective for no-gi. Now, Joe had demonstrated doing Uchimata from just a single under, underhook without... Um, having a, a, a grab at the wrist. 
And he had also demonstrated a Ipon Sayanagi that he had been working on uh, with with just a standard uh, collar tie. Now, forgive me, I don't know all the terminology for nogi, but you know the standard nogi collar tie grip, which is very similar to a standard uh, kumikata grip in judo. Just just you know, you're hooking around differently and stuff. So. Uh, he was demonstrating a, a, a Sayanagi, kind of a Sayanagi entry that that is a little bit quicker than what you would typically see in a judo situation. And I got to say, when we did sparring afterwards, uh, Joe caught me with that very same uh, Ipon Sayanagi that, that he demonstrated, and he floored me. <laughs> he, he took the air out of, my, out of my lungs. I mean, thankfully, that, that mat space has... Uh, like I said, I had an elevated flooring, but man, he chucked the hell out of me. It, it was pretty impressive. And then I got him right back with my with my nogi uchimata, uh, not uchimata, osotogari. Which it's funny, it it doesn't matter gi or nogi. I I can I feel like I can get that almost at, at will. Now Joey also demonstrated getting a uh, what I believe is called a Russian tie. You know how to get into that position and how to use that position for throws like uh, like sumigaeshi and. Uchimata and maybe even Tayatoshi. And even using that to transition into an over-the-back grip where I could even use that for uh, my Osotogari as well. And I just thought the, the appreciation I got away from doing Nogi Judo is that I really feel that I could use this moving forward in my regular, uh, my regular Gi-based Judo. And the thing is, you know, and this happens so many times in, in, in judo. This has happened years and years and years where I learned something years prior and I'm like, eh, I don't know about that or eh, it's not working for me. But then I come back to it years later and I'm like, you know what? Now I get it. Now now I really understand it. And and that's kind of how I feel about doing judo uh, without the gi. It, it's... um. I feel like a whole new approach has been opened to me because there's just a lot more um, you're 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 limited in what you can do because you can't grab clothing. So you have to improvise. You have to adapt. And there's there's tricks of the trade that you you end up having to do in order to get to the positions that you want to get to that that is not really the same as it is in a gi. There is grip fighting, of course, but it's 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 a different type of grip fighting. And what I really liked about doing no gi that I've got a greater appreciation for is that there's no stiff arming in no gi. And I'm sure I'm sure there's some real masters out there and some really excellent no gi people out there that can do the equivalent of a stiff arm. But I felt that you know when I do rondori or even you know back when I used to compete. I come at people. I don't I don't wait for people to come toward me. I come right at people. I want the action to start right away. So I'm looking to get a grip as fast as I can. And what I found myself doing when we were doing the sparring and no gi is that to get the collar tie, to get the 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 underhook grips and such, you gotta be really close. And for me, when I do judo, I do judo close. I don't do judo bent over. Now, yeah, I get it in no gi. You know, a lot of wrestlers will will bend over at the waist and they'll tie you up at the top and stuff. But, 
But, you know, in those situations, I feel like I can get, you know, over the back and maybe get some kind of a, like a gut wrench that you see often in professional wrestling. But I felt very comfortable in the in doing no gi. And I felt that because I've spent years um, improving my skill in regular ju- judo, that the actual techniques themselves, once I got the grip, it's all the same judo to me. It's all, you know, I know the position that I need to get to in order to throw with Uchimata or to throw with Osotogari. Um, now, I think in no-gi throws like uh, Okudayashi might be very difficult to pull off because his throws with certain hand motions involved that are a big part of the throw. Um, those are definitely hard to get off. I can't ever imagine doing, you know... <laughs> Sode Surikomi Goshi Nogi. I'm sure some some crazy skilled person out there can do it, but but the way that I typically do judo, it's very up close, it's very come right at you type of judo. It's um doing the nogi kind of fits into that style. And again, you know, I'm not saying that it's easy, but I do find it just a little bit easier than doing judo in a gi. And that's and that's just me. Unintentional rhyme. So if you're a traditionalist like me or or a, tradi- a traditionalist like I've been in the past, and you know you have an opportunity to try Nogi, I, I would encourage you guys to give it a try. Now, I probably would discourage people who have a rank less than Sankyu from doing Nogi if you have not had any other grappling experience before. Now, I'm not talking about guys in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu who primarily do Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and are doing Judo in the side and mixing in a day of Nogi. I'm not talking about you guys. I'm talking about guys that their only grappling experience is Judo. I would probably advise to not do Nogi until you are a little bit more proficient, and that's usually at a Sankyu level. And guys, believe me, I understand, you know, one man's Goku is another man's Niku or or one man's Yanku is another man's EQ. You know what I mean? So I'm saying, you know, you probably need to have at least maybe 12 months experience doing judo before maybe you could start mixing in Nogi. Because I think if you start mixing in Nogi right at the beginning when you are learning judo, it can be detrimental to your overall judo. Because you know, for somebody like me, I understand the mechanics of the throw. I understand where I need to be and where I need to position my body to make throws work, whether that's in a gi or whether that's not in a gi. It doesn't matter. But for people who are still developing uh, their basic skills, uh, it could matter and it could hinder your judo development. So Saturday was a fun day for me. I did, I did some, I did a lot of no gi. And we ended up putting on the gi afterwards, and we we're working on Uchimata, and I was working on my uh, Yoko Tomoinagi, which you know I'm I'm still working on that. That's that's not where I want it to be, but it's getting there. It's getting a little bit better. I found that I can't really do Yoko Tomoinagi statically for whatever reason. I I find that I need to be doing move. I, I need to be moving, and and the movement itself. Um, uh, uh, facilitates the throw quite a bit. And I'm sure many of you out there are saying, well, no, duh, you can't do, you know, Tomoinagi just statically. Well, I I know you can, but it's a lot easier when you're moving. Anyway. 
World Judo Day. So I saw this story on, on the International Judo Federation's website. I saw it on their Twitter account. And I saw it on their Instagram account, which if you want to follow me on Instagram, it's at La Vida Judoka. Thank you very much. So they had a vote last week on their Twitter where you could vote for four selections for the 2018 World Judo Day theme. And the four selections they had available was self-control, friendship, courtesy, and modesty. Now, personally, I voted for friendship, which ended up getting 39% of the vote, followed by self-control at 30% of the vote. Now, the IJF had announced that on their Instagram page that they had a story up where you could vote between friendship and self-control. Now, I went to their Instagram page. I did not see that story. I don't know if they actually posted it or if they posted the story and they already got the results. I don't know. Hey, IJF, I'm still waiting for that story. I, it didn't come up on my feed. So hopefully, well, I, I mean, it doesn't matter to me. It's either going to be self-control or friendship. I, I voted for friendship. I think, I think there is no better theme that you can have for 2018 than friendship because Look, as a judo community, we need to sell what whatever it is, and I hate to even say it in this way, but whatever it is that Brazilian jiu-jitsu sells, judo needs to do the same thing. And what is it that they exactly sell? I mean, when you look at pictures of the websites or the, or or people's Instagram feeds and such, you see a lot of com camaraderie, you see a lot of brotherhood, and you see a lot of friendship. And I'm not saying that stuff does not exist in judo. I am not saying that at all. Please do not get it twisted. But I think it's important that this is something, if we want to have judo grow, not only in the United States, but around the world. Well, I'm sure judo is growing around the world in certain places. But you know what I mean. I happen to think friendship is the best theme that you can have for 2018. And I don't think it should be a theme for World Judo Day. There needs to be a World Judo Year. And I think friendship should be the theme. And what I should have done when I was at uh, training with Joe is taking a bunch of shirtless selfies with <laughs> No, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, I'm not going to take shirtless training selfies. But what I should have done was taken a, a class uh, picture and put it up on my Instagram page to make it even more awesome than it already is. And if you're not following me, you're missing out. But I need to be doing my part more in showing pictures of me doing judo. Not just me, but people, uh, uh, you know, training with certain people and such. I got to follow Cody Stray's example because his Instagram page is even better than mine. And if you don't remember who that is, he was he is the host of the Cody Jitsu podcast. He's got an awesome Instagram page. He's constantly putting pictures of himself doing judo, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, and, and, and lifting weights and and. and petting his cat it's an awesome page it's, i'm very jealous of him but i think as a judo community we need to all do a better job in in sharing our training and sharing our our group pictures and showing what judo uh certainly is for many people out there and i'm not look i'm not putting anybody on blast i i'm just saying we should all do a better job in utilizing the the free tools well they're probably not free but um, well, they're they're free to us, but uh, it comes with a price of of uh, giving our data away.
and our souls. But it's free, and we get the we should be using these these tools to spread um, what judo is about to us and what judo means to us. And I think when you share this kind of stuff in pictures, and you share the friendships made through judo and such. I I think it's a great marketing tool in of itself. So World Judo Day 2018. Um, my vote is for friendship. I don't know if the vote is done, but uh, if it is, I hope friendship won. I don't know. I haven't seen a story on the IGF's website about it. So I'm guessing they're still collecting the votes and they haven't even put the story up on Instagram. So IGF, whatever it is you're doing, hurry up and do it so I can vote. All right. I think that's going to do it for me. I thoroughly enjoyed doing this episode. If you enjoyed it, uh, feel free to let me know and and shoot me an email at judochopsuishow at gmail.com. If you didn't like it, you can shoot me an email at judochopsuishow at gmail.com. If you want to follow me on Twitter, it's at Levita Judoka. But admittedly, I, I really don't use Twitter very much. I mean, I, what, am, what am I going to do on there? Post, post tweets about the President Trump? <laughs> Seems like that's what everybody's doing these days. Goodness gracious. You can also uh, check me out on Facebook. Just search for a Judo Chop Suey podcast. I'm sure you'll be able to find me. And if you just want to shoot, uh, send a friend request to David Roman, I'm sure you can find me out there too. I'm the handsome man um, taking a picture with his lovely wife on a cruise ship. I'm in a nice suit. Well, it's not super nice, but it's nice enough. And again, just as a reminder, since I am looking to have David Ellis as a as a uh, guest interview in the next coming weeks. If you have any questions that you'd like to me to, for me to ask on your behalf, please be sure to send them to uh, judochopsuishow at gmail.com. I know I've said that email address like five times in this episode, but just to be clear, if you want to shoot me an email and ask those questions, uh, feel free to fire away. I'm also going to post uh, post this on Reddit for all you freaks out there. On the Judo subreddit, that's www.reddit.com forward slash r forward slash judo. That's the place that I probably hang out the most online, where it should be my Facebook, but it's not. It's it's the Reddit subreddit. So, All right, so I hope you have a great day. I hope you have a great rest of the week. Train hard. Stay safe out there. And until next time. I'm out. Open Gangnam Style. Gangnam Style. Open Gangnam Style. Open Gangnam Style.